eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, football season time. The season is here time. New season for the Vols, new addition for Go Vols 24-7 time. Really happy to bring this guy into the full time. And the other guy with us, he's okay time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, recording this late on a Wednesday morning. Probably going to drop it uh, late, late on a Wednesday night. As we uh, as we said, we try to get the Thursday podcast out a little bit earlier this week because the Vols are opening the season on a Thursday. Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, SEC Network, Ball State, the Cardinals will be in the General's house, the new-look General's house to uh, kick off the season. The game Tennessee expected to win by a lot, um, but you never know. That's why they go out there and play those games. This is the point where Ryan Callahan would say something about Georgia State. But thankfully, he's not with us on this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We're going to go to an undisclosed location and get to Patrick Brown, and we're going to go to a so far unnamed home of the new member of Go Vols 24-7 staff, Ben McKee. Fellas, what is going on? I'm gonna let Ben talk first, right? I mean, and then nobody want to hear me. Well, I'm I'm the new guy, so I was gonna let you talk first. I, I feel like you have seniority, quite a bit of seniority uh, on me. Not not as much seniority as Wes Rucker at 43 years old, but that's, uh, that's true. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, what's up, guys? 39 years old for another few days as it as it happened, but uh, but not much, man. Not much. Uh, Actually, hoping that my fortieth birthday flies under the radar completely—that would be that would be ideal. So you know that's that's good. Ben, I gotta tell you before we get going, I, I was gonna say some of this stuff before we actually started recording with you because it's awkward when you hear these things and you have to hear them about yourself. But uh, man, we are damn glad to have you. We we were really really hoping to be able to hire you. Glad we were able to do it. Tell tell the people here who are listening to this. I mean, I'm sure everyone in the market knows you by now, but for the people on this podcast feed who do not know you yet, tell us a little bit about yourself. Man, there, there is so much to know. 
No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I uh, a I'm thrilled to to be working with you all. I, I have hated the last four, five, six days, whatever it's been, uh, of not really working, of of pretending <laughs> to, yeah, work. to work. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm glad to finally be able to start producing content because I, I've been itching the last couple of days to do so. But uh, a little bit about me: grew up an army brat, <laughs> lived all over the place, East Coast, West Coast, overseas in Japan for two years. Uh, eventually, my my dad was stationed at Redstone Arsenal yeah. in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, that is where I went to high school my junior and, and senior year, and then went to Calhoun Community College for two years out of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the community college in which Yankees great Jorge Posada went there to. There you go. There supposedly, you go. which is I, I still find thing. just so random and why did Jorge Posada go to Calhoun Community College? I would love to ask him. I'm, I'm sure there's a story out there somewhere if I if I Googled it. But uh, after that, came up here to UT. I uh, was always aware of UT growing up. My parents are, are from Tennessee. Shout out to West Tennessee, good old Munford, just there outside of Memphis, and uh, Paris, Tennessee. So uh, Tennessee was always home for my family, despite being an Army brat. And I always wanted to go to UT growing up and did and I actually wanted to be a baseball coach and teach history, but uh, I, I got into the journalism program instead of the education program. And here I am talking Tennessee athletics and, and writing about Tennessee athletics with you all. Yeah, and Ben has worked for it, and I'm sure most of you all know this, but just just the quick, quick uh, I guess, uh, curriculum vitae here. Ben, ben went to UT, started doing really good work as a student there, uh, then began working for various sites and and websites and radio entities here in the area. Has done some work for uh, Rocky Top Talk. Did some work with our good friend of the pod, uh, Jason Swain, uh, and most recently worked with um, Brent Hubs and the good guys over at VolQuest. So we were really, really, really happy. Ben has not only done a really good job working; he's also worked around a lot of good people. Uh, and I'm glad to to bring him here, and 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 just it's just awesome that he's here, and he's going to cover not just I mean everyone knows Ben for baseball coverage because I got to tell you Ben <sighs> kicked my ass a couple times good on baseball coverage. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, he, uh, he's already on my radar before then, but then you you get you get scooped a couple times uh, more than you'd like, and you're like okay. Okay, okay, I see what's going on here. Um, but Ben's also you know, going to pretty much cover every sport here. He's going to do a ton covering basketball, going to do a ton covering football, and, and going to keep up with the same excellent baseball coverage as well. So we are super, super excited about it. And, and to let you all know, Ben has been itching. He wasn't kidding. He's been for like several, you know, because he was at his last shop and put in his last day there and then couldn't start with us for f- until X days or whatever. So he basically was just sitting around clawing at the walls, trying to get to work. And so th- that, that he's going to fit right in. He's going to fit right in here, Pat. Cause we, we grind here, grit grind, right? Yes. Uh, I remember when you, Ben, when you told me when you were going to be possibly starting and when your last day was, I was like, Oh, you're gonna have a couple of weeks kind of chill there. I was like, I hope you enjoy that. And you're like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, that. That was all I needed to know. Um, yeah, uh, you sh- it's good you bring up Grit and Grind because now there are two uh, Memphis Grizzlies super fans here on the staff here. So there you go. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get belligerent and and annoying during <laughs> basketball season. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And- I mean, we we may start a, a Grizzlies tab on Go Boss Two Four Seven just for <laughs> how much Grizzlies we are going to consume and, and discuss. Well, we're going to force it down your throat, Wes. And any hey, anytime that uh, y'all want to go see the Grizz, um, I, I'll give you an open invitation to sleep at the guest room at my brother's house. Uh, right there in Midtown Memphis. So, uh, yeah, right there next, not too far from the arena. And he goes to several games a year. So, uh, really, really, really looking forward to that. We're, and, and Ben's going to be good because his 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 sports fandom runs the gamut. I don't know if it's because of the Army Brat thing that, that's, that's geographically confused. Um, but so it's, so it's, it's uh, Grizzle and it's uh, Yankees. And it's uh, Chelsea FC, right? And uh, mm-hmm. what? What? what oh, Steelers, right? Steel, Steelers. Yeah, Steelers. Steelers. The, those are the main three. Chelsea is a, a relatively new experience. Uh, me and my buddies from school, we, we all thought it'd be funny to adopt a team, uh, a Premier League team, and try to follow them. So that that's uh, more on the newer side, fresher side of things. I, I picked Chelsea because they don't they don't wear the color red. And uh, they have Captain America. At least they did at the time. Looks like they're they're about to no longer have Christian Pulisic. But uh, <laughs> I went with Chelsea. But Yankee Steelers and, and Grizz. Those are my main three. And, and yes, you're correct. The fact that I was moving around growing up is is why I am geographically confused. I, I lived in New York for four years when I was getting into baseball, and Derek Jeter was was on the television every day. So Derek go. Jeter's my favorite athlete. Him and Peyton are my two favorite athletes ever, ever. So that's how I became a, a Yankees fan. And the Steelers were somewhat on the TV uh, being up there in the Northeast. And uh, as a kid, I just loved Jerome Bettis, the bus. And I just I just rolled with it. I, I kept it up. And then, silly me as a kid, I thought it was cool that they had a quarterback named Ben as well. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, that's actually a pretty good transition to – uh, to start talking about Ball State because apparently if, if Jerome Bettis was the bus, Ball State has a Winnebago in the backfield. And this guy, uh, he's not their starter because uh, they got a couple of guys who play ahead of him. This kid's a freshman. Um, but they have a freshman on their football team as a running back who is five foot eight and 252 pounds. And honestly, since I discovered that information about 25 minutes ago, uh, that has been all I've really thought about. Because Give the is, man his name. Put the man's name out there. Put okay. some respect on it. Let's let's get to his name. Let's make sure we're pronouncing it correctly. It is, of course, I don't have the tab pulled up. I got to be prepared, Wes. I am prepared. Sort Dean of. Shaka Griffin, Shaka Griffin the second. Five foot eight. Oh, I was looking at a different five eight. They have two five eight running backs then. Yeah, well, this one. Oh, never mind that. Yeah, this one stands out because he's two hundred and fifty-two pounds. Right, probably goal line back. Yeah, that's a, a little bit different. That's a Winnebago right there. But no, in all seriousness, this is a game that for for most of these podcasts, you know, or game previews, you would think you're going to talk a lot about the opponent, and and we're going to do that in this case too. We're not going to not give Ball State their due because this is a team that won the MAC two years ago finished the the season ranked two years ago, went to a bowl game again last season, uh, has lo- replacing a quarterback, uh, replacing, I believe, five of its eight leading tacklers. I said seven of eight earlier. That's incorrect. Pat corrected me. It is five of eight. Uh, so uh, a coach that's been there for seven years, so you imagine the systems are pretty familiar to them. I, I don't think this is a team probably – I mean, the lines move from, what, 30 to 36 or so. 
uh, in the past week, but this is a team that's going to come to Knoxville. Went to Penn State last year, been to a lot of places. They play these one-money game per year at least. They're not going to be maybe awed by the experience. They're probably here to play a football game. Yeah, this is a team that the MAC is such an interesting league because it's so different year to year. Uh, you mean you got Ball State going from winning the league to finishing six and six? Uh, I think their division. I think everybody was either six and two or three and five or somewhere in between. So it's a very competitive league. Uh, Northern Illinois didn't win a game in 2020 and won the league last year. So you never really know what you're going to get. Ball State was picked to finish last in its division. Um, they, they have some notes on, on their game notes that say that like 75% of the roster are, is, is underclassmen. Uh, and they lost a lot of, uh, of the class that, that got them that title two years ago during the shortened season. So um, the biggest question mark is, is, is the quarterback where they've got a new guy for the first time in three or four years. So that's probably why they've been picked the way they've been picked. And it may be our, I don't know what their over under is on wins, but you know, can they get back to a bowl game is probably what you know, would be a good season for them. But um, yeah, it's, you know, that line has really gone up quite a bit, but, um, this is a team that might get undersold cause they got some, some position groups and some pieces there that are, that are probably better than, than certainly a lot of Tennessee fans know. And, and maybe even some people in that area that know that league, um, might even think as well. And, and they've got a player who's got a touchdown against Tennessee in his past, a, a name that some of y'all probably remember Amir Abdur Rahman, the, the former, uh, Vanderbilt wide receiver uh, is a wide receiver uh, for Ball State. Um, but actually, they got a couple guys who had pretty good years last year, too, at wide receiver. So I know they got a new quarterback who, who's, who's been there forever, but not as a starter. He, he's listed at six feet tall, which means he's probably 5'10 or 5'11. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's not a kind of classic 6'3, 6'4 type quarterback, but a guy who's been around the system, been around these guys for a number of years. Ben, I, I think this is a team that, when it looks at Tennessee's defense from last season on film, you know, a lot of people have said this this defense looks better in camp. A lot of people have said it looks a lot better. Some people have said, no, I think it looks a little better. We'll see. Some are more hesitant than others. But I would imagine if you're Ball State and, and you're watching film of Tennessee, you're probably scared about, you know, Byron Young off the edge. Um, but other than that, these guys probably feel like they can put some, some drive together against this bunch. Absolutely. I, I think any team – on Tennessee's schedule going into the season should feel pretty confident going up against Tennessee's defense. Any offense that is on Tennessee's schedule should feel good that they'll be able to put up points against this defense because, simply put, the defense last year was just terrible. It, it was miserable. And if it were any better, uh, you probably have two more wins. I know there were offensive plays left on the field in, in Purdue, Ole Miss, uh, Pittsburgh, but but man, if 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 the defense could could have made one more stop, especially in that pit game and uh, the Purdue game in the Music City Bowl, I mean, you're looking at two more wins. What's that nine one season last year? Yep. Uh, so the the offense is coming into the year going to feel pretty confident going in uh, to the Tennessee game, especially at the beginning of the year. And it's up for Tennessee to rewrite that script. And I, I think this is going to be a, a nice opening test for Tennessee and. Uh, the, the final script won't be written, obviously, because it's game number one. But I, I do think it's fair to, to think that it could be a sign of things to come uh, if, if Tennessee maybe struggles a little bit or, or has a successful night. And I'm not going to say pitch a shutout, but 
limit them to three, six, ten points somewhere in there. I mean, I, I think that would be a positive step as well because this is an offense that that has some some nice little players that should be able to test Tennessee more so than an FCS team. And quite frankly, the the reason that I I say it could be a sign of things to come is because in games like this, a school like Tennessee defensively should shut down Ball State. And if they do that, I think that is an indication that they probably did take a nice step forward over the offseason. And and then we'll see if that translates to Pittsburgh and Florida later in the month of September. But on the flip side, if if Ball State goes out there and has a little more success than than they should because they are Ball State at the end of the day, I I would view that as somewhat of a a bad sign going forward and and make the, the matchup against Pittsburgh far more interesting. Pat, when you look at, at Tennessee's defense, we, we, we've talked about this quite a bit throughout the offseason because it's obviously been a big storyline for a reason. But Tennessee's defense last season charitably could be called average. I think it was below average. I think Ben used just the word terrible, and I don't think that's unfair. They, they, they were not very good at times defensively last season, especially as kind of things went on and progressed late. There's been a lot of talk, and and even, honestly, some former Tennessee players that I speak with really believe this defense is going to look a lot better. I'm much more on the fence about this because, at the end of the day, last season's grades, and it's last season, so, you know, whatever, put a pen in it or it's done, but at linebacker and safety, the game-by-game and season grades, especially in coverage and with some missed tackles, were pretty pretty bad and and those guys are back so it's one of those deals where it's like hey the good news is all these guys are back the bad news is all these guys are back so in terms of what you saw from what we could see early in camp where do you stand on how much better you think this defense looks I mean I think physically it looks better but in terms of how much better it can play yeah it's wait and see mode for me because uh, you know players can get better even late in your careers, guys can make jumps. We saw that with Dio Jackson. We saw that with Matthew Butler. Um, and there's some guys that certainly could fall into that category. Those two safeties with Trayvon Flowers and Jalen McCullough, I think, are, you know, can you get improvement out of them? They should be better at linebacker because they shouldn't have to play Jeremy Banks and Aaron Beasley every snap. So if they're able to get Jawan Mitchell in there some more, um, some other guys, some, some work, uh, maybe everybody's fresher for it. And as we talked about before, this defense just they don't have they don't have a bunch of dudes. Like they don't have guys that are just gonna go out and win a bunch of one-on-ones and make a bunch of plays. Yeah. Um, I think Byron Young is one. I think Jeremy Banks can be one. Who's that guy in the secondary? I don't I don't see one. Um and and kind of going off what Ben said, this could be a good test for Tennessee secondary because you're gonna have a couple new starters in there uh, with Tamari McDonald and, and then whoever gets the nod at cornerback, whether it's Christian Charles or Kamal Haddon, but those guys are probably gonna play. Um, you know, Ball State's got some decent receivers. They've got, a, I think, Jason, Jason Jackson's his name, Cincinnati transfer, um, led them in receiving last year. Uh, Ball State's got another experienced receiver. I, I want to get his name out there because it's a great name, Johans Tyler. Yes. I think he's a 6'3", big target. I think he's got 21 career touchdowns. Um, so he might be a guy that, that they, you know, Ball State gets in the red zone, might throw him some some 50-50 shots. Um, and then you mentioned the uh, the Vanderbilt transfer, Abdur Rahman. So, um, there's some guys that, that you know, could maybe make some plays against the secondary with some new guys. And if they're rotating guys, guys coming off the bench, third, fourth series of the game. So um, that's probably one of the matchups I'm, I'm looking at in this game in particular. Um, and, you know, the, the these games, these first games are always about the unknown. And Ball State's got a big unknown at the most important question, uh, the most important position on the field. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think this defense, if you're you know, this Tennessee defense, if you're if you're trying to be optimistic, you're looking at players developing, looking at guys taking the next step, whether that's Byron Young going from a good player to a great player, whether that's Jeremy Banks going from a good player to a great player. Um, what do they get out of Tyler Barron? What do they get out of the collection of guys? They're going to play a defensive tackle. I think you know there's some high expectations for Amari Thomas. If some guys can can make a leap, I think this this defense can be better and. And I've said this before. I don't. I don't think Tennessee's defense needs to make a huge leap. I just think they need to go off the field on third down a few more times. I think that would make a big difference because um, that would keep their snap count down. Um, I know a lot of people saw some of the snaps they played last season and, and say, "Well, that's because the offense went so fast." No, it's frankly because the defense could get off the field in third and ten. So, uh, if Tennessee's defense is able to be more effective in those key situations, then that that's going to help this defense get just a little bit better and and as we touched on a little bit better might've won them two more games last season. So if they're just a little bit better than, than you would expect that to show up in the win column. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if they would occasionally mix it up and, and get a stop on third down. Just, just try it, try it on, you know, see how it looks. Hashtag analysis. See how it works. Just try th- You know what? If it's third nine, let's let the other team get eight or fewer yards on this play. Let's, let's go for that. That would be, that would be if ideal. If you let them get eight, they might go for it on fourth and one, and then you're in a whole other mess. That's true. That's true. Okay, so if it's third and nine, hold them to uh, a gain of less than four yards. Try to try to do that. So that that's that's the new plan. There is a lot more to discuss about this game. I actually want to ask Ben too about his thoughts on preseason camp in general because we we've had a, you know, he's been able he's been there pretty much every day too, like we have, but we haven't we've not been able to talk to him about it. So now Ben can talk about it, what he saw in camp. Uh, some some storylines going into the first game. Some guys we're looking forward to seeing out there. What newcomers we we might see. Uh, any guys who look like we're predicting to make a big jump this season. So many different angles to to approach this thing. Um, but before we do that, we're slightly overdue for a break. So we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location somewhere in the Knoxville area. And Ben McKee, our newest addition here at Go Vols 24-7, coming to us from his house that we have not named just yet. We have to, we have to wait. These things have to come organically in terms of 
what sort of things are we seeing in the background on the Zoom? What do we know about the geographic location? Uh, how many children and or pets are in said house? We need to get a feel for the situation, and then we will appropriately give it its nickname. There's, uh, there's a four-step process involved. Yes, yes. and cause, so, Yeah, because we've got Pat's undisclosed location because Patrick will never tell you anything about his life ever. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I've... I don't know how many years I've known the guy now, and uh, it, every time I hear something new, I'm like, oh, that seems like a big deal. Why didn't I know that? Because Pat, if I'm an oversharer, Pat's the undersharer. He, he's the Ron Swanson of, uh, of our staff. So his is the undisclosed location. Ryan's is the home daycare center because I think he's got like eight or nine kids by now. Uh, they, they've got, I don't know how many kids they've got over there, but it seems like a lot. Wait. We call yours a studio because it looks like you're hosting American Bandstand. Yeah, that's true. For, with for, all your equipment. Yeah, because I need to I need to fix this and do like the whole classic bookshelf background thing, all that. And then uh, Ramey's, of course, is the GoVoss twenty four seven Blount County Satellite Office because he thought Satellite Office sounded like it was special. So that's why we're calling. Well, that's why we've called it that. So we'll get a name for Ben's, uh, and we'll get back to talking Tennessee football, and. A lot of other things. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, guys, if you could go in there right now and take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops, somewhere in that time frame, go in there. It won't take you much time. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there on all the major platforms, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints, maybe very few complaints from our end. But since we do this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there. Just take a minute, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You got a friend who's a Tennessee fan? Tell them about this podcast. That helps us out. A lot. That's the best way we can add wolves to our wolf pack, keep this thing free, and keep this thing growing as we have done for years. If you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, uh... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, and I want to start with Ben here because I think we, you know, the rest of us on our staff have had several podcasts the past several months to talk about Tennessee's offseason, Tennessee's spring camp, Tennessee's offseason, Tennessee's preseason camp, summer workouts, all these things. But now that their preseason camp is just still fresh right there in the rearview mirror and the regular season is here now, Ben, how much better do you, from what you were able to see, what we were able to see early in preseason camp? Because I think back to last year and how much better Tennessee looked from that first spring under Hypel where it was – about as bad as you could possibly look playing the game. I mean, that was the worst-looking Tennessee roster I've ever seen in my life. And then in just a few months later, they put together a pretty decent football team, um, pretty solid football team. Then they go uh, and, and win some games, do some good things, have some losses. Then the offseason starts. Then they go into winter, summer workouts, you know, camp, all that. How much better do you think Tennessee looks kind of physically and as a team than it did in, in like, bowl prep? significantly different uh you you can <laughs> distinctively tell that all the guys had, had a really nice off season in in the weight room and, and i say all the guys not literally every single one of them but 
the majority of the team looks vastly different. And going off of what Patrick was discussing with the defense last segment, that that is the most notice, noticeable difference for me in, in terms of speed and, and uh, physicality and, and muscles and uh, definition on, on the body. Like, you can tell a difference. I, I think of the safeties, Trayvon Flowers and, and Jalen McCullough, especially Jalen McCullough, who has slimmed down. Will that lead to him being better on the football field in the white lines? We'll see. But he is slimmed down, and what's gotten him in trouble in the past is uh, a lack of speed, uh, a lack of athleticism, uh, not being able to take correct pursuit angles, not necessarily because of his IQ, but because of uh, his lack of speed. And with him being slimmed down, I mean, that is something that he should be better at this year. And that's kind of what has plagued him in the past is just missed tackles uh, in, in general, not necessarily being able to get to the right spot. We'll see if he'll be able to do that. So Byron Young looks like a freak. I mean, you want him being the first guy off the bus. For sure. Uh, but a guy like Aaron Beasley, I'm, I'm interesting to see – if what I just talked about with Jalen McCullough also applies to, to Aaron Beasley, because I, I do think he looks better in pads. And mm-hmm. not that he wasn't in shape last year, but he has a little more definition. And and that should help him uh, as he takes a step forward this year. Uh, Jawan Mitchell, I mean, you, you can tell that that dude's an athlete out there. He's healthy. He should be able to help this team. And a lot of the defensive linemen, they, they look in real good shape for, for defensive linemen. Uh, Amari Thomas, yeah, he's a big old boy, but he, he's a pretty toned up big old boy. And you have several of those type of guys along the defensive line. And really one takeaway I, I had from camp was that the freshmen, for the most part, look really good. Mm-hmm. There, there was some talk uh, from people who just live and die by the recruiting rankings that, oh, too many three stars and not enough high-level four-star and five-star guys. And and I get it. That That's really the only resource we have to go off of in, in terms of evaluating recruits. But you, you look around, and all of a sudden, Dylan Sampson, who was a three-star. Yeah, sign me, sign, me, sign me up for those three stars if that's what they look like. Yes, correct. Justin Williams Thomas, he's a guy that came on late in the process. Squirrel White, I, I don't know what he ended up being, but he was a high, highly-ranked three-star uh, low low four-star uh, that really didn't have a, a lot of buzz in the recruiting process until the end when, when Auburn tried to swoop in late and, and steal him. I mean, he's a guy that's going to have a nice career at Tennessee. Uh, Caleb Webb, Chaz Nimrod, there, there's reason to be optimistic uh, about them. I don't expect any of the four freshman offensive linemen to play this year unless it's Addison Nichols, mm-hmm. but it, it sounds like they, they still like the long-term potential of those guys. Uh, you look on the defensive side of the ball, James Pierce, Josh Josephs, they're going to have a chance to, to help Tennessee this year for sure. And in the coming years, most definitely, Tyree West fits in that same billing. Uh, you, you look at the linebacker core, Elijah Herring, that guy's going to play football. He kind of reminds me of Jalen Reeves Maben in terms of being a three-star guy that is just going to come in and be a really solid linebacker in this SEC for three, four, five years, however long it is. Caleb Perry, he's a freak athlete that they like. He was a three-star from Kentucky. Really, really freakish athlete. Yes, and and if he can learn the linebacker position, he's going to have a great career because, like you just said, he is a, a freak athlete. And then I'm I'm president of the Christian Harrison fan club, or I, I have the most stock in Christian Harrison uh, of anybody. I, I am leading that train. I, I think he's going to be a terrific player for Tennessee. I, w- I would be surprised if he's not. Uh, and, and it's simple. Simply because 
he he has a very high floor. I, I don't I don't know what his ceiling is going to be, but because his dad played in the NFL for so yeah. long, you can tell he's coached up. You can play. You can tell he plays with the right technique, the right fundamental, and I, I think that's really going to help him. And and he flashed at times during fall camp, at least from what we could see. Uh, so that that was honestly my biggest takeaway. It's like there, there was a lot of rumblings and. and uh, huffing and puffing from some fans about the recruiting class. And all of a sudden you look up and a lot of those freshmen, I didn't even mention Taven Jackson because he's forgotten about because of Nico Eyal Maliava and Joe Milton. But I think they've been pleasantly surprised with what they have in Taven Jackson as well. Mm-hmm. And he's the, if he could turn into something just because he's the quarterback, he's automatically the crown jewel. So all of a sudden you're looking at a, a freshman class that some were upset with, because there are too many three stars, not enough four and five stars, and there's a lot of potential scattered all all across the field. Yeah, if guys like Dylan Sampson and Jordan Phillips are, are what three stars look like, uh, I would I would like a lot of three stars. Those guys so Sam, are really, really Samson, good. Sampson Sampson was a four star from he, our he, guys. He did. He was a four star. He, he got up. He he kept. He he got like two bumps during his senior season. Did he? Did, I mean, but did he stay a three in the composite and he was a four with us? Is that he, how it ended up? Yes, that is correct. I mean, when you're breaking Eddie Lacy's records, you're gonna be pretty pretty good, right? Yeah, and Tennessee in the next couple of years is gonna have a, a couple and of guys. A ten four eight. Yeah, Tennessee yeah. Tennessee's gonna have a couple of guys in the next few years on the roster from Baton Rouge that I wonder if LSU is gonna be like, oh, maybe should have looked into that. Pat Pat, when you go into this season. You know, the, the first game, it seems like a lot of fans are just automatically drawn to new guy, right? New guy, new guy, new guy. Because whenever the new guy comes in, the old guy sucked. And, and you've never seen the new guy suck, so you think he's awesome. And that's just, I mean, it's fan. Every time the Cubs bring up someone from, from the minors, I'm like, hey, maybe he won't suck. And then usually he does suck, and then they, they still suck, and you move on. But in terms of for us with what we do right i mean looking at player progression look at you know how much did this guy get better from this year to last year how's this guy fitting in the system now is this guy ready to go from part-time to like a, a starring role what few guys if you had to really narrow it down are you the most excited to see going into this game or or or, or guys that whatever they do like you're definitely going to be paying attention because for whatever reason just guys that you think i'm going to be paying attention to this guy well, I mean, that's the that's the exciting part of every new season, right? Is there's a Cedric Tillman out there. Shoot, there's a Hendon Hooker out there that, I mean, who saw any of those things happening last season? Um, I, mean, I, 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 was a, I was always a Tillman fan, but there, never, there was, but never like, I wasn't like, he's going to be a thousand yard receiver this season. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he, he got talked up from like the spring on. Like, every time Josh Heifel talked about the receivers, he's like, Cedric Tillman's been really good. And so uh, that obviously parlayed. I mean, I'm excited to watch. Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman. I mean, can I pick those guys? I just like watching them play football. They're they're really good players. Ain't and, nothing wrong with it. Uh, um, they're, they're certainly fun to watch. If I had to pick a few guys uh, for this particular game, obviously I'll start at left tackle. I want to see what those two guys look like with Jeremiah Crawford and and Gerald Mincy. That's a, a big question mark on this offense to me. Is first of all who takes that job, and then uh, who ultimately ends up winning it, and how do they play? Uh, I think Crawford probably starts. I think Mincy might have the higher ceiling of the two. Um, and there's some that, that think he's the, the more talented player, but sometimes that doesn't always play out that way. Uh, I think also on offense, I want to see what Jabari Small looks like at, at 215 pounds. You know, he's, he's a guy that's had a really good offseason. Um, Jalen Hyatt's another guy that 
Um, you hope if you're Tennessee that all the work he puts in, he doesn't go out in the first game and have like two catches for 10 yards. Cause then what, you know, what does that do to him mentally? Yeah. He, he, uh, he, he might be a forced touch guy given, given how, how much right. they've talked about him. Right. I mean, you want to see what, what, you know, you want to see all that hard work pay off right away if you're him and if you're Tennessee and then was, you know, what do they get out of Brew McCoy? I think they've got to temper some expectations there. I think he's going to be a good player in this offense. Uh, he may not show it the first game. So, uh, but he might he might go out there and, and make some big plays. So um, those are probably guys on offense. Uh, on, on defense, I'd probably, you know, what is, you know, can Terry, Terry McDonald take everything he's done in the offseason, everything he's done in the preseason and translate it? Uh, that was a guy I did not I did not see that coming going into camp, going into the preseason. Memphis uh, guy thought, too, Memphis. Yeah, and, and his former teammate at Whitehaven, Bryson Easton, is another guy that, that's had a good offseason and, yes, and is going to play on, on the defensive line as well. Um, guy that came in as like a, what, 265-pound linebacker, and now he's a 300-pound yeah. defensive tackle. That's quite the uh, uh, the transformation. That's not exactly taking a, a high school safety and making him a linebacker. So Correct. Um, and, and, you know, Jeremy Banks is another guy I like to watch play football. So I know I'm picking on Memphis guys. And, it's all right. Um, but I also – two more guys I want to see, Kamal Haddon and Christian Charles. Haddon plays with a lot of energy, a lot of juice. Um, it, he might be a guy that gets uh, offsetting on sports and like penalty for, for drawing. Um, and, and then Christian Charles is, is – you know, we talked about Caleb Perry or, or Ben mentioned him being a freak athlete. I think Christian Charles is one of the better athletes on the team too. Um, another guy that, you know, he was a safety last season. He's a corner now. You don't see that a whole lot anymore, right? I mean, you see a lot of guys who play safety and star, maybe corner and star, uh, but safety and corner—that's you know—you got to have a pretty unique skill set to be able to play both of those. And you know, before he got hurt last year, he was, I think, kind of pushing to maybe play a little bit more at safety. So yes, he was. Um, he's those are some of the guys that, I, that I'm I'm looking for. And if I had to pick one on each side of the ball, it would be those left tackles on offense. And it would be Tamara McDonald defense, just because of what Theo Jackson gave them last year at, at that position. It's really important in, in this defense of what they want to do. Yeah, Ben. I think I I, I would go in, in terms of if you're just talking about just a couple of guys, I, I, a few guys. I, I would say I, I, I'm sorry I did a Ryan and, and named all the guys. On the team. No, but I mean it's the first season. It's it's what it's what it's what we all do. It's the natural thing to do, um, and I don't I don't think you should be shamed for that, Pat. I don't I don't think you should be shamed for it. Um, but I well, we would shame Ryan if he was here, but we're gonna shame him anyway since he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone point and laugh at Ryan. I would look at probably um, – I'm really, really looking forward to watching Tamaria McDonald play. I've always been a, a believer in him as a player. And I always think it's interesting when, when – as soon as Wesley Walker commits to Tennessee, people assume he's going to be the star, right? They just assume that, that, that this guy's been doing it at Tech. He's been a good player there. He's got a lot of experience. Tennessee's replacing Theo Jackson, yada, yada, yada. And Tamaria McDonald's like, the hell with that. I got another idea. I'm going to go out there and – have a great off season. I'm gonna go out there and have a camp, and then he got an assist when Walker got hurt for a while, obviously. Um, but there, there he, there he goes, and and he's. You would like to see him go out there and make a couple of big plays, do some good stuff out there in the opener uh, to get that confidence going. I'm also definitely looking at both Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy offensively. Um, just how much do they force touch Hyatt? Do, do 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 they really really get him the ball to make sure that he gets off to a good start to get his confidence going? And with McCoy, uh, how much is he going to play? Because, you know, Walker Merrill's had a really, really, really good offseason too. And and so I imagine that McCoy's going to be the guy in the long term. But but for now, I mean, you know, I think Walker Merrill's going to play some too. Uh, those would be my guys. And then I really, really, really want to see uh, Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson both get the football. And no, no offense to Javari Small, who I think has had a great offseason. I think he's going to be their leading rusher, yada, yada. 
But I've always been a, a big believer in Jalen Wright, and I saw Dylan Sampson like the first day this year in in camp, and I was like, I like that. I like that kid. That that, that kid can run. That kid looks good. So th- those would be the names for me. How about you, Ben? What are you looking forward to to, to looking at? Yeah, how, how can you not list off the entire roster for for the first game? Um, because there's there, there, there's new, obviously new toys. Brew McCoy, Dylan Sampson. You, you want to see those guys in the offense. You, you, you want to see how Walker Merrill uh, carves out his role uh, at left tackle. Gerald Mincy and Jeremiah Crawford. Mincy is definitely new. Crawford is is pretty much new because he didn't play a ton last year and 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 that position is going to help dictate Tennessee season and dictate how good the offensive line can be so uh you, you look at both sides of the ball at, at all the new and are excited to see all the new pieces but then I'm also very curious to see what the returning players look like and I believe it was Pat earlier who said that this defense I'm still kind of on the fence about and I am too I'm still in believe it when I see it mode with the defense because it's pretty much the same guys coming back. I mean, you made a couple of additions and I think Wesley Walker is certainly going to play. Uh, Jawan Mitchell is going to be somewhat of an addition Mm -hmm. because he sat out last year due to injury, but also Jawan Mitchell. And he was hurt when he was buying more. Right. Right. The the bigger thing with Jawan Mitchell is he needed to buy in to, to what all Tennessee was doing. Uh, get it straight in the head so he could be successful in between the lines. Uh, and it sounds like he's done that. So, uh, But Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, Jalen McCullough, Trayvon Flowers, you know, Warren Burrell, you, you mentioned those names to, to fans, and maybe not Jeremy Banks, but the other ones. You, you mentioned those names to the fans, and they cringe. They, they, they don't want those guys playing football. It, it seems like those guys have gotten better. How much better have they gotten? If they truly have gotten better, then the defense is going to be better. And Tennessee as, as a whole is really going to live up to expectations and, and maybe exceed expectations. So I, I'm real curious to see have those guys really taken a step forward. Has Tyler Barron become more consistent? Is Omari Thomas ready to live up to his potential? A guy like Elijah Simmons, is he ever going to do anything? Of or course is he, he is. Of course a, he is. Of course he is. St. Elijah Simmons is we'll going to do see. everything. You know, we'll we'll see. Um, Bryson Eason is is this the year he steps up and, and really grabs a role? Karat Garland, uh, the offensive line are are they going to take a step forward this year? Cooper Mays, uh, Javante Spragans, how much can they improve? Darnell Wright, Jerome Carvin, you know what they are at, at this point in their career, but can those other two can they can they take another step? Can Jalen Hyatt truly translate his terrific offseason into production on game days in the fall? Can Jimmy Calloway get out of his head and become more consistent? There, there's so many questions going into the opener. And then, like, obviously we're not going to mention Cedric Tillman or, or Hendon Hooker or Jabari Small because we know what to, that we know what they're going to give Tennessee. But I'm excited to see how much Hendon Hooker has improved. I mean, he had as good of a, a fall camp as anybody. He, he maybe had the best fall camp of anybody. And, and they're saying that he has really improved this offseason. And if he did what he did last year – in, a, in essentially a, a small sample size, and he's gotten much better after what he did last year, what's he going to do this year? That That's something I'm fascinated by. Uh, Jabari Small, it sounds like he, he's going to be in a, a similar class of uh, a guy that's re- really, really going to have a breakout year if he can stay healthy. 
Cedric Tillman, how much has he improved? So hard not to be excited about the entire roster for the opener because you you get to see all the new toys, and then you're also curious about the returning players and just how much better they can be. Yeah, one thing that no matter what sport you're talking about, you know, if you're not good up the middle of the field, right? Like in baseball, you think about shortstop, second base, center field. Um, you you got to be good in the middle of the field, and and defensively, Tennessee's middle of the field has got to take a step forward, and that's sort of going to tell the story for that for that group, I think, for for the season, uh, regardless of what Byron Young does, because his pass rush and, and and a more consistent Baron obviously would help. Um, but in terms of those guys, just need to be better. And I think one of the things that we've talked about a little bit, and I think it's probably because we talked to him early in the season. Early, early in camp, and and haven't talked to him since, but but Tennessee has got to find a way to keep Cooper Mays healthy this season. Um, it's just the thing runs better when he's on the point. When he's at center, the offense runs faster, and that's no offense to Carvin. He did he did a fine job, but you're also taking him out of his comfort zone there at guard and moving him to center, and and Mays just he he's such a smart player. This this offense moves faster when he's in there. But he's got to be healthy enough uh, with his legs to be able to sustain blocks. That's obviously important. So I, I think that is a key to this season because I think about the health of Cooper Mays and Jabari Small, and that's going to go, I think, a long way toward determining what kind of season Tennessee has because if those guys can stay healthy and play at the level I think they can play, it becomes a lot easier to, to envision this team winning more games than it did last season. But if, if they don't, then, then that might not be the case. So we'll 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 have to wait and and see there. But in terms of of where sort of where this thing, the the general story, the general theme with how things have gone in camp, how much how much positivity about this program right now is real, how much of it uh, is just sort of hope more than you know because Heupel talks about. You know, you don't want to, you know, believe in success. You, you you want to expect success. And are they ready this season to go out there and just expect success? Because it's a really easy thing to say. We can sit here with microphones. We can say whatever the hell we want. But, you know, do we actually believe it? That that That's always a different thing. Do you think these guys believe they are ready for that step? I, I think they believe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the big things that, that this staff did in, in the first season was – uh, establish a culture and, and some of the guys that, that moved on were a big part of that. Um, that's in terms of how they work every day, what the expectations are in the program. Uh, it, it's really, it's a real, it, it's a workmanlike vibe in the program, but it's also one of like, we're going to have a good time. We're going to enjoy each other um, connection and, and accountability are two of the things to the buzzwords we've heard from Josh Apple dating back to, I mean, his first press conference and, and those things have held true to form and, um, I, I think I think the leadership on this team is good. Now I think they're you know you got to see what it hap- you know what happens when you get hit in the mouth. You know if you go down fourteen nothing at Pittsburgh, you know how do you respond? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly on offense when you've got guys like Hendon Hooker. Um, you know Tillman's not a very outward guy, but um, you know carving up you know with the offensive line. There, there's leadership on that side of the ball, and that's why you know going back to when we were talking about the risk of Brandon Linjay Dixon, it's like. This guy might be a head case, but they've got the leadership in the program to deal with it if, if things go south, and they did. So um, defensively, a little bit more, you know, what's the leadership look like there? Because, you know, Byron Young's not really an hour guy. 
you know, Jeremy Banks can be, but he's got to keep his own head on straight sometimes with the way he plays uh, in the heat of the moment. And, and they've got those two safeties there who um, you can be good leaders, but you also have to be good players if you're going to be a good leader too. And you could probably throw Amari Thomas in there too. He's got to go out and prove that he's a quality player to, to add to the, the leadership ability he has. But um, I, I think internally, you know, the, the expectation is there that they're going to go out and, and win a bunch of games. Now, Disney fans are always, I think, a little bit cautiously optimistic because the last 10 to 15 years have just sort of beaten, um, they call it what, the, the battered vol syndrome. They just go into things expecting the worst sometimes. And um, and at this point, it's hard to say you blame them. But uh, I think internally, the expectations are that this team can can really take the next step and, and have a have a big season. But um, obviously, you know, it's all talk now. And now you, you, you got to go out and do it. Yeah, I, I agree with Pat, and I, I think the bigger question is if they face early adversity, like Pat was was discussing. I think the bigger question is on the defensive side of the ball. I, I don't think there's been enough talk about losing Matthew Butler and uh, Jaquan Blakely uh, and and Theo Jackson and Alante Taylor. But maybe it has been talked about, but I don't feel like it's been talked about enough. Th- those were big time leaders, man on the defensive side of the ball, especially up front in Rodney Garner's room alone. Uh, and, and not only did they did they have productive football seasons, you have, you have to replace their production and their leadership. And, and it seems like there are guys in place to do so. You look at the defensive line, and, and Tyler Barron has been trying to do that. Omari Thomas has been trying to do that uh, in the secondary. Uh, Kamal Haddon, he, he has a, a loud voice. Uh, does it carry a lot of weight? I don't really know because he hasn't played a ton here yet, but he, he is at least stepping up and and seems like he's been trying to take on a, a leadership role. Uh, but you, you don't really need it from the corner position to replace Elante Taylor because you have Trayvon Flowers and Jalen McCullough, two guys who have played a, a ton of football. And uh, I'm not in the DB room, so I don't know what Wesley Walker sounds like. But as you mentioned earlier, Wes, he's a guy that's played a lot of football and has been pretty productive doing so. You would think that his voice – carries weight you you would think that Brandon Turnage although he's for some reason not in the too deep he'll still play but you, you would think that his voice carries some weight as well so that that's the thing that I'm I'm looking at most going into the season because I I, I do think they're comfortable with the expectations I think they are very confident in themselves both on offense both on defense uh, as a whole but when when adversity hits who who is who who's gonna walk away from it and, and who's gonna face it head on? That that's always the question because adversity will hit at some point. Whether it's the pit game, the Florida game, LSU game, it's gonna hit at some point. And you need your leaders to step up and, and kind of lead the way. So I I'm confident that this group is confident in themselves, and, and that is big because I don't know that they had that at the beginning of last year. Credit to the staff for instilling that within just a year and a half, but. Uh, when adversity hits, uh, is is the leadership going to be strong enough to withstand that adversity? Yeah, and the last thing I wanted to discuss before we get out of here is sort of relates specifically to this game, but but also a little bit beyond this game because Tennessee's season to me, everyone knows and look at the schedule, right? You know, Tennessee wants to. This Tennessee wants this to be the year that that it you know goes up there and beats Georgia, beats Alabama, stop you know all those things. I, I get it, but so much about what's ultimately going to make this season a success or not 
comes in those second and third games of the season. The, they're, they're both really, you know, the, the, those games are right there. They're really big games. We all know that. Pitt, Florida, big, big games that are come up within the first month or so, and um, or, or two and four, I guess. And, and, and this game right here is really the only springboard, you know, that you have going into the Pitt game. How much, if you're Tennessee, how do you balance the fact that traditionally you don't want to show much to Pitt, even though Pitt knows your offense, it's not like it's a big secret. I'm sure there are some wrinkles you would rather not have to show in the opener against Ball State. But you also need to get guys these game speed reps going into Pitt because they're going into not an SEC hostile environment, but a hostile environment nonetheless in, in week two. And they're going to want to have those guys up to speed. So how do you weigh the fact that you don't want to show everything with the fact that you probably need to get these guys comfortable and in rhythm? Well, I think with these first games, you always have to be prepared for what you, you're not expecting, if that makes sense. I mean, uh, we've seen it before where teams, you know, you watch film and expect one thing and they come out something different. And, you know, for, for Ball State, do, you know, do they play a three-man front? Do they play a, a four-man front? They listed 12 starting positions on their depth chart. I don't know if that's some, some gainsmanship or that's just kind of how they roll. But, you know, and, you know, Josh Heupel, Alex Golish both touched on it over the past week or so. You have to be able, players and coaches have to be able to, to see what you're getting and adjust quickly because if you don't, then, uh, you know, you could struggle. So, and with this Ball State team, they have a lot of new guys in some new places. So, uh, and particularly quarterbacks, so you don't know what their offense is going to look like with this guy at the helm, John Paddock, because he's been there for five years and has 34 career pass attempts. You have no idea what to expect because yeah. uh, he's going to be different from the guy that they had last year. So, um, I think defensively you want to keep it simple so guys play fast so you don't have busts and, and give up something cheap uh, that maybe keeps this a game longer than it needs to be. Offensively, it's more about Tennessee. You know they're going to come out and do what they do. That um, they you, you definitely saw last year they kept it pretty simple in the Bowling Green game, kept it on the ground. I think rushed for over 300 yards and, and pulled away in that game. And then you saw a few more wrinkles in, in the Pittsburgh game, and and it's going to be for. For this offense, it's going to be matchup dependent because Pitt's going to play differently than Ball State. If you're Ball State, you're probably going to play a lot of two deep safeties. Try to keep everything in front of you. You don't want to give up a bunch of big plays. Where you know Pitt traditionally with, with Narduzzi, they play aggressively. Yeah, very aggressive. Um, they, they play aggressive on the perimeter uh, with a lot of man coverage um, and things like that. So um, the number one objective is to win the game. The number two objective is to not get anybody hurt. Um, but uh, as a staff, I do think there is an element to keeping things simple, uh, stick to what you've been working on the most in camp so you can so you can evaluate because this is a, an evaluation tool. Ben, the other day you asked Hypo about, you know, how do you evaluate this game after having a, a full month of camp to evaluate? And, and certainly as a coach, it, it would be hard not to put more emphasis on, on what you see under the lights because that's when it's the most real. So um, the, 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 there are those things that, that have to be balanced and certainly – uh, if you're Tennessee, the best case scenario would be you get a big lead so you can play a lot of guys and get some guys snaps that, that need them going into into those two big games you mentioned, Wes. Yeah, and you want to be real vanilla uh, because you can be vanilla. At least you should be able to. It's not going to be a great sign of things to come if, if you can't be vanilla and, quite frankly, dominate uh, Ball State. And, and so new wrinkles that fans have been clamoring for over the offseason and rightfully clamoring for, uh, whether it be short yardage situations or an increased 
route tree or increased passing concepts, I, I don't think you're going to see a, a, a whole lot added. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I kind of think that Josh Heupel's offense just kind of is what it is in, in terms of length of the play sheet, especially when it comes to, to receivers and, and route trees and the different things that they're able to do. I don't think that you're you're going to see a ton added, but there will definitely be a, a wrinkle or two or three, but you're not going to use them against Ball State. You're going to save that for Pittsburgh when you need it against Pittsburgh. You're going to save it for when Florida comes to town. You're going to save it for when you need to go to LSU. Uh, like, I think Jacob Warren is going to be a nice red zone threat this yeah, year. I, I think he – that. Yeah, I think that's going to be something that sneaks up on teams. Don't don't show him as a red zone threat against Ball State. You don't need him to be a red zone threat against Ball State. So save save Jacob Warren and whatever you have up your sleeve in the red zone with him. Save that for Pittsburgh or Florida. Uh, certainly Pittsburgh. You, you don't want to withhold that because I, I think Pittsburgh's going to be a knock them out, drag them out. I, I think that's going to be a, a real great back and forth football game. You're going to need everything you can to win that game, in my opinion. And we'll talk about more of that later next week as we get into Pitt. But uh, you, you don't need to, to show your hand uh, against Ball State. It, it's that simple. Uh, whatever wrinkles you've added uh, in short yardage situations to hopefully correct what was wrong last year, you don't need to, to show your hand against Ball State. If, if you are in the fourth quarter and you need to, then – we've got a whole different conversation to have. And it obviously applies on defense as well, uh, different coverages, different blitzes. You don't need to show your full hand against Ball State. It's really that simple because from start to finish, you have enough talent uh, to go out there and and handle business and put it away early. Yeah, and, and Tennessee's offense under Heupel in, in Golish, it's pretty much see this, do that. I mean, they, they, they kind of have predetermined things that they go to when they see certain looks. Now there are some checks and other things, then they can they can spice it up when they need to, but it's it's typically like go go in a hurry and if you see this, you do that. It's kind of like a, it's built in. Like and, and that's why Hypo and those guys, they, they teach everything from such a basic level from the beginning and they don't move on until everyone understands it. So there's no confusion about what they're doing, which I think is a really good basic way to teach really anybody anything. Don't move on until everybody gets it. So they know it's sort of like the back of their hand, sort of in their mind, like, okay, if I see left, I go right. If I see right, I go left. And that's just sort of how they how they do things on offense. I do think, however, that probably forcing some touches to Hyatt and McCoy would make some sense in the opener because you would like to get those guys for sure on the same page with Hooker, get them confident in the offense. So so I think those – but generally speaking, though, I think you just show as little as you can. And if you can run for 300 yards again in the opener, by God, go out and do that. That, that. If you can put the ball on the ground and you can win that way, go ahead and do that and then move on to the next one. Um, but looking forward to it. Certainly looking forward to covering it with Ben. It'll be the first time we've covered a game uh, – not covered a game with Ben in terms of being in the press box, but but as a colleague. So certainly looking forward to this one, looking forward to this season, looking forward to the additions uh, that we're going to make to this podcast feed going forward, all sorts of exciting things. Uh, really, really looking forward to all of it. Y'all got anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm, um, I'm good to I'm, go. It's it's game day. It's game day when the folks are likely listening to this, and there's no better day than that first game day of the year. We only get 12 definitive college football Saturdays. So I'm pumped not only for the football, but pumped to be working with you all, Wes, Pat, Ryan, Grant. I'm excited to get to work, and let's have a great season. 
Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. And, uh, yeah, we, we made it to football season. We made it to the first game. Felt like we'd never get here. There we are. And we are here. Thanks for the time, guys. Thanks. All right, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7. On Twitter, Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals 24-7 and facebook.com slash govals 24-7 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you.
chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.